Hi, this is Margot Escott. Welcome to Improv Interview. I am delighted today to have for this podcast my beautiful teacher and friend Stacy Smith from Chicago. I first saw Stacy on stage when I was at the Sarasota Improv Festival in 2012. I was about two years uh, into improv at that point, and it was an eye-opening experience because, number one, it was all girls. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. It was all girls. And then they were wearing skirts. And someone <laughs> early on had given me a note, you can't wear a skirt. you got to wear this uniform of pants and a top. I'm telling you, they opened my eyes, and I have been so turned on by musical improv, and I'm so excited to have Stacy here today. And she'll be performing with our, my troupe, the Bonita City Improv, tomorrow night. Stacy, how yeah, are you? I'm great. I'm happy to be in sunny Florida and get it out of the cold for a little bit. I bet you are. You had a fun-filled day today, huh? Yeah, I yeah. got truffles. That was the highlight. You got I truffles? went to Norman Love. Yeah. Yeah, and I got all Isn't different kinds of truffles. It was get awesome. as much as you can now because it's expensive to send it, it anywhere. Is, yeah, exactly. It's really expensive. Exactly. So um I, I'm gonna share a little bit about you and I wanna ask you more about what you're doing today. But you you actually come from Long Island and yep. I lived in Long Island. I lived in Wontaw. Yes, and Patchog. Patchog. You and, gotta say it in a New York accent, of but course. But I don't see the accent anymore. I mean you've been out uh yeah. Working on your accent. I know, exactly. But when I, whenever I talk to my parents on the phone, if someone's listening, they're like, what are you doing? They think I'm doing a character, but I'm just talking to my parents. Like, it kind of comes out when I am either drunk, angry, or talking to my parents. <laughs> so it's pretty funny how that happens all the time. Wow. So how did you get into improv in the first place? I know you were a musician, and you yep. knew how to sing and read music and all yep. that good stuff. Yeah, I started improv in 2009 when I moved to Chicago. The first uh, improv class I ever took was at Second City. I went for like a winter intensive, January 2009. I couldn't believe how cold it was. It was like negative 20 with wind Mm. chill. And you could tell that I loved it so much because I went back. And I went back in July 2009 for the second part of the intensive Uh and then moved there that October. That's wonderful. So it was like all in a year just... Fell in love with it. and was like, have to do this. Have to follow my heart. You did follow your heart. That's yeah. what I love about you. A big heart. Now, I heard with Jimmy Corain's podcast, yeah. you had some hard times, but we're not going to talk about that today. <laughs> we're talking about the good times. The good times. You know, I love music myself. And as a child, my I lived near New York City, and we would go in and see all these plays. And my grandmother yeah. loved... So I was, as a child, I learned Oklahoma and Carousel, and I learned these whole albums, you know? And yeah. I, I wonder if you had an experience with the first maybe musical you ever learned. Yeah, so actually, I, my Aunt Cindy, which oddly enough, she's from Benita, she lives in Bonita Springs, and I didn't know until two weeks ago. Oh, my gosh. So she lives on Long Island for most of the year and then comes here, you know, kind of uh-huh. t- to kind of nest when it gets colder. And I knew she went to Florida but never knew where and we were having a conversation I'm like yeah I'm going to Florida to teach and to perform she's like oh what part of Florida we're going next week I was like Bonita Springs she's like oh my gosh I live in Bonita Springs so they're coming to the show tomorrow night which is fantastic but she actually bought me when I was probably eight or nine a CD that was called uh, Broadway Kids Uh and so it was a selection of like 20 songs from all different musicals and all kids sang all the songs so I when I first learned it I didn't learn any specific musical I just memorized all of these different songs from musicals so like um, there was a song from Your Good Man Charlie Brown Mm -hmm. that I learned real young Castle on a Cloud from Les Mis I learned real young but 
that kind of like launched me to like, oh, I love musicals. And then I did my first one when I was 10. So the first full musical that I learned was Annie. You were in Annie. Yeah. Good I was in you. sixth grade, and I was Molly and Annie. Wow. Now, in my home, I actually grew up in New Jersey after we left Long Island, I would have shows for neighborhood kids. Oh, all Did the time. Did you do that too? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and I think that that's a testament to every musical theater kid. I think at some point we've all tried to put on our own show. We used to wear buckets, like plastic buckets on our head, and we'd pretend to do marching band, and like they were our marching hats, and take things and hit them and parade down the street. I used to sing God Bless America at St. Patrick's Day parades when I was like six and seven. Wow. I mean, I loved to be in front of audiences. Like, exactly. I just loved it. Exactly. Yeah. You know, the thrill, the first time I was on stage and they applauded, but better yet, laughed. I was like, what? Yeah. What? But, you know, it took a while for me to get into this concept that it's not about being funny. It's about being real. Can and you speak honest. on that and be honest? Yeah, I think that it actually took me a long time to realize that also. Because when I came to Second City at first, I had always been told my entire life that I was the class clown and that I did all these great characters. So I went in kind of like guns a-blazing, like real big characters. And they're like, you don't need to do that. You can just be yourself because... People find truth in things, and that's what's funny. And, like, I read Sharna Halpern's book, Mm -hmm. and Sharna is just, like, a huge advocate for me, and she's fantastic. I love her. She's, like, my fairy godmother. Oh, that's Uh, wonderful. That was the first book I got, Truth and Comedy. And reading that, I was like, oh, this is so different than I had expected because I was so used to going up in these musicals wearing these crazy costumes and being as loud and boisterous as I could. So, like, the notion of, like, just being honest and truthful was something so weird. And I think it actually took me a really long time. I think I was in level three at I.O. where they do, like, scene work. And I, like, came in with a character and my teacher was like, no, be yourself. Right. And I was like, what? What do you mean? I've got all these great accents. And they're like, be yourself. And the first time that I was myself and talked from experience and said something and someone laughed, I was like, oh, this is a much better deserved laugh than -hmm. these cheap jokes I've been Mm -hmm. going for. Mm -hmm. So it took me a little while to realize, and now I really, I really have dug my claws into that. Now it's, I I almost sometimes rather do dramatic improv than comedic because it's the heart and being able to dive into emotion and relationship that's really the the greatest part about it. I love the Armando and the Harold. Uh, yes, I really I love do. The Armando, They're fantastic. Yeah. So you've been working with some women too. You have been uh, doing some women's funny festivals. What's that about? Yeah. So Stage Seven Seven Three, um, Jill Valentine and Brian Posen. They're two of the most wonderful people. They run Chicago Sketch Fest. They do a nerd comedy festival, and they do the Chicago Women's Funny Festival. And so they asked me from volunteering at Sketchfest to help them with that. And it was great because it was kind of my first, uh, you know, push at festivals. Mm -hmm. And then I would go and perform at festivals with Stacked and with Brouhaha and a bunch of my groups. And I did a solo show that I would perform at festivals. And I just became like a festival person because I was like, this is great. I get to meet people from all over the world that love to do this as much as me. So it was great because then later on I started my own festival. So it was kind of learning the basis of all of what goes into it and how performers should so be treated cool. and, you know. That's that so cool. So this is the second year that you had the Chicago... My Chicago... Yeah, Musical Improv, Improv Festival, yeah. It's so awesome. Yeah. That is so awesome. That was, I 
was actually out in Chicago this summer. I did an intensive with Jimmy, and right. I want to share a story to see if you have anything to compare. Sure. I was really nervous because, um, you know, I thought everybody's going to be so much better than me and comparing and whatever. And I walk into it was at the I.O. and I walk into the I walk in the theater, and everybody's already there. I'm the last one to come in, and the stage was so close to the door. I didn't, and it was very low. Uh-huh. I fell flat on my face. Oh, no. And said, well, here I am. And it was really an embarrassing moment. Have you ever had an embarrassing moment like that? Oh, I feel like my life is full of embarrassing <laughs> moments. And I always love when they ha- happen. Like, the number one thing that I make my students tell me first day is embarrassing moments. Because I think it just, yeah. one, it gets everyone on the same page of like, oh, we're all human beings and we do these things all the time. But two, it's like you re- you realize, one, you're not alone. And two, it's like so great to share something that's embarrassing because it's it's heartwarming, right? It it's is. Like, it is. Uh, it's great that we can laugh at our failures and be like, well, it happened and it's over with. I fall on my face all the time, especially Chicago winters. Forget about <laughs> it. I slip on ice all the time. I've like skipped stairs walking up to the L and just ate it. I do it all the time, and then I just get up and brush it off like it never happened, or and start all over yeah, again. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Improv. Improv. So, um, also, I, I was I was really intrigued with the fact that you've been on a ocean liner, and yes. what was that experience like? So both very different. I so I was on the Norwegian Breakaway twice for Second City, and it's one of the coolest jobs in the entire world, and I loved it. I can't say that everyone loves it, loves doing it, but I I love everything. <laughs> so it was very easy for me to love it. And the first one I did, um, my ex-boyfriend, uh, my boyfriend at the time was in the cast. So it was nice that for my first experience, I had someone there to kind of go along with me because it is a, it is kind of like the Twilight Zone meets Groundhog's Day. It's like every yeah. Sunday, 4,000 yeah. new people come on and it's just kind of figuring it out. Um, and I had a fantastic cast Pat Ivansek, who I am in a two-person group with Smith and I, he was in the cast, the, this wonderful guy from New York and these two women from L.A. So I was working with all these people I had never worked with before. We do three weeks of rehearsals together in Chicago and then spend four months together. Wow. So it's very little preparation and then a very long... And I did 15 shows a week. So it was like I was had a heavy wow. show load. And... We'd only work at night. So during the day, I got to go to all these beautiful places. Mm-hmm. And all the crew members from around the world, they were just, like, so inspiring because they worked so hard to send things back to their family. And it just, like, put a lot of things in perspective. And then my second one, I uh, went with a bunch, of, a bunch of people I had never met before. I didn't know anyone. And I was very out of my comfort zone. And I was the company manager, which meant I was kind of, like, in charge of the back and forth with sec- Second City so it felt like I had, like, you know, a, a high position that I had to take seriously. I got a ton of writing done when I was out there, got in good shape. I spent a lot of time on myself, that second one, because it was after kind of a hard breakup and, you know. So I was like, okay, I just need kind of a cleanse. And being able to do 15 shows a week, you know, and see the world on my own was, like, incredible. It is incredible. Incredible. I thought of two questions. Let's yeah. see if I can remember them. The first <laughs> question is, um, you, you, you met these people. You didn't know them before. You had a few weeks to practice. And was that difficult in terms of melding as a group? Because I know sometimes people come into a group and there's an instant connection. I was listening to TJ and Dave yeah. talk about how there was an immediate 
connection when they started working together. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, I think the first cast, I mean, I'm not going to knock either cast. They were both phenomenal. But the first cast, because I had known someone, it was much easier to um, gel right away because we were a team melding with another team. Mm-hmm. Um, but because you know that you have a job to do and you're so lucky to be able to work for Second City, everyone kind of has like the same mindset of like, we have to go there and do good work and put our best foot right, forward right. because someone reports back and this is our, you know, this is a building block in our journey. So I think that it is really easy to gel with people that all have the same goals Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say that I'm like super best friends with any any of them. Like you know, when we see each other in Chicago, we're like, hey, you know, because it is weird to work with someone for four months and then you don't really see them anymore. Right, right. It's different than like being a part of Stacked, where we've been together for five years. Wow. We like are obsessed with each other. Like we love each other and we have sleepovers. Like we're grown women. Do you women. really? Oh, yeah. that's so much fun. We do everything together. We love each other and we don't get to see each other always because. You know, Katie, uh, yours out in the suburbs with her son, and Jenna works full-time. She has a real job. So I see Aaron a lot because we perform a lot in other groups. But, yeah, it's so special when you get to see and play with the people that you love. Isn't that great? Yeah. So are you doing much writing? You talked about writing. What kind of writing do you do? Journaling or poetry? Or I was writing uh, a blog on my first ship just about my experiences mm-hmm. being at sea. And the second one, I got really into list humor, like BuzzFeed-type articles where uh-huh. I would like do like uh, jokes that were list jokes. I would say I'm definitely of the notion of process. So like when I work, Katie Dufresne and I write sketch comedy together. Oh, do. And what we normally do is we'll write a premise or a strong character and flush that out and then improvise it and then rewrite it, and then improvise it. So we write the beats. So when we do sketch comedy, we'll have like a bunch of things that we know we want to say in the scene, uh-huh. but it won't be completely scripted. Right. So I work best that way because it's just more freeing for me, and I, I find that my scenes are more fun because I'm, I'm hard nut to crack when it comes to like, hey, write a scene and s- send it in tomorrow. And I'm like... Well, what am I going to write about? But if I, like, see something funny, I'll, like, jot it down and be like, oh, it would be so great to have these two crossing guards that are, like, you know, they have the veil of having crossing guard jokes, but they're talking about, like, their relationship as two older women. You know what I mean? So it's finding the fun and I write a lot of character-based sketches. That's great. Yeah. That, um... You know, I'm a psychotherapist. I don't know if you knew yeah. that or not. So I'm analyzing you, and I'll give you a diagnosis <laughs> oh, at good. the end. I hope it all, comes out positive. It's going to come out <laughs> uber, uber positive. Um, you know, I took this class with you last summer, and I, I got hooked on musical improv four years ago mm-hmm. and studied with Boston Improv and some other groups and have been working on getting it here, and I'm so happy we're doing musical improv finally and have you with us this yeah. weekend. But when I took the class with you and Aaron, I felt so loved and supported oh, good. and validated. And I don't always have that experience. <laughs> but, you know, just to feel so good about myself. And you were so patient. And it, I wasn't getting notes about you did this wrong. Not that people say you did it wrong, but you know that thing that happens? I don't know ever had experience where you're feeling wrong. Or- oh, yeah. There's been a ton of levels that have pulled me in a direction that I just was like, I need to quit. I'm not good at this. But I think that because of those experiences... When I teach, my main focus is focusing on everyone's strengths. 
because I am a firm believer that people rise to the occasion mm-hmm. and do better mm-hmm. if you're focusing on what they're good at rather than being like, here's all the things that you did wrong. Because then you're immediately in your head and you're thinking about how to do those things. And I don't teach rules. Like, rules drive me crazy. So these are, like, these are suggestions that are going to make your scenes better. Like, if you ask a question, you're putting your friend on the spot to respond. If you make statements, it's showing that you already know what's going on, right? right? So it's like things like that. Focusing on things of like, if you, you can say no in a scene, but you have to agree to the idea, of, you have to say yes to something. Right. So you, you can have two roommates arguing, and I'm not going to stop the scene and be like, no, say yes. Because you're saying yes to these two people being in a relationship. You know that they're both roommates. You know your environment. So I try to teach as opening, like how I would have want to be taught. Like, the best classes that I taught, I like to emulate those teachers of just, like, booming positivity so that... Because a lot of people, one, either do it because they really want to be on TV or be on SNL, but a lot of people just do it as a hobby, Mm -hmm. and it's so important that you're able to take care of both of those things without making one feel less than the other, you know? Exactly, and you're so gifted at it. Oh, and yes. I don't know if you realize there's improv therapy now going on. Oh, in, yeah. In fact, a friend of mine with Therapy Players in Chicago has been doing oh, massive yeah. research. Oh, yeah, Steph McCullough has something to do with It's incredible, improv. Yeah. yeah. So it's really exciting to be able to blend my background in psychology. Yeah, and, and we have a wellness program at Second City. Yeah. So I've taught improv anxiety. for anxiety. Yeah, you have and, that. And humor doesn't retire, so I teach a senior citizen class. That is and so cool. It's, a, it's definitely challenging and so different because you have to take more time or you have to, you know, you have to definitely change. But it's like you have the curriculum that's the same as the other. You just have to kind of improvise as you teach and go along with the needs of the class, you know, rather than being like, this is what I'm going to do. Like, you know, I have some students that can't walk or they have Alzheimer's, so I have to not do as many you have to remember these things from five minutes ago or something that's not right. super physical. So it's kind of... You have and to that's where singing comes in. Because people with Alzheimer's and dementia still know songs. Yeah, always. And listen to the music, and it's one way of really bringing them back. It's so phenomenal. I want to ask you, do you have a specific type of student, like age group, that you like working with in terms of students or genders? <laughs> no, not really. I guess... I've had so many good classes at IO and Second City in comedy sports. I've just had so many different people across the board, and they've all just taught me so much. I I like to teach, I don't know if it's maybe a demographic, I like to teach beginning level classes because I've got a lot of energy mm-hmm. and positivity, mm-hmm. and I think that's super important for people that, I like to be the person that, that bite, like that, has them bit by the bug. You know what exactly, I mean? Exactly. I like to be the reason exactly. people continue. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I have taught later things, but I don't think I make my mark as much when I teach later levels because I want people to find it fun and not daunting and not think, just feel. And so I would just say that beginning level classes are my favorite. I love teaching youth. I love teaching seniors. I love teaching you in the love. middle. You love. I love teaching. Yeah, yeah. I love teaching too, especially beginner, because there's a transformation that goes on over a five to six week class, and you start seeing this change. Yeah, and it's really and you feel responsible for it, which is so (laughs) wonderful and beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Showing them the road to uh, happiness is something they never thought about before. Yeah, exactly. So, um, uh, ooh, 
Silent moment. Silences are good. Yeah. Yeah. Silences are good. And when you talk about the rules, you know, I always think it's ironic in a way that there's no rules in improv, there's no right or wrong, and then you would follow these rules. No. <laughs> I I mean, I won't teach them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Tina Fey keeps it real simple. She has like four rules that I like. I can't remember them right now. Yeah. But I, and most of them are very funny. Yeah, they're on the they're in her bossy pants book. Yes. Yeah. Great sure. book. Yeah. yeah. I listen to it on tape because Sometimes I have a hard time picking up a book and remembering it to carry it all the time or, you know, just forgetting about it or leaving off. So books on tape are great because I could just listen on my commute. And hearing it in her voice is like... Way better than I'm going to read it, you know. So yeah, same as Amy's book is fantastic too. So good. So, so who's your favorite teacher? Oh gosh, we're playing Truth or Dare now. (laughs) I, everyone is. Oh gosh, well, musically Jeff Boothiet has been a huge influence on me. Him and Mike Dakota were my two first music teachers, and Jeff is really special to me because he was my teacher and has become my teammate. Mm -hmm. And that's always really special when that happens. And he always was so approachable. We did a two-person show together, and now we travel together and teach, so that's very special. And Mike, too, as soon as he moved, he was still a huge part of, you know, the music improv community because he's like a legend. Um, And then Joe Bill, who's now a teammate Uh of mine. Oh, really? Yeah, Yeah. he came at a great time in my improv career where I was kind of getting really frustrated. I had him for level five at IO and he comes from an acting background and that's exactly what I needed at that very moment in time. I needed a teacher that's just like him that sees the beauty and the acting and the motion and the relationships of it. So it happened right before my 5B shows, which are our showcase shows. And because I was started the annoyance right when I had Joe, it was cool because I was like, oh, I'm starting to train at a place that he founded, but at two different theaters. So that was really great. And Craig Euler has like incredible energy that I try to emulate in my teaching. He's just so fun. He finds the fun in everything. He's one of my favorite improvisers to watch, and now he's a teammate. So it's really special because... Now the people that I'm playing with now are all have been my favorite teachers, so it's really, it's very cool. That is cool. You mentioned acting, and I took that slow comedy class with yeah. Jimmy last summer. It was awesome. Too. Yeah, it's it was brilliant. like intense therapy. Really, yeah. it was like wearing wearing me out. But he's he, several times he said to me and, and some other people, "Stop improvising, start acting." And as soon as he said that, there was a change. Yeah. It was really funny. That's, it's incredible how we just, how we don't realize that we can just react to things that we heard and they'll be just as funny as inventing some insane premise, right? Exactly. You can always, I was telling Steve this last night, I was like, the thing I always tell my students is like, great, you can be a robot chicken, that's fine if you think that's funny, but be a robot chicken that talks about divorce. You know what I mean? Right, right. Talk about something that means something. You can be whatever crazy character you want, but it has to mean something. You still have to have a human element. To there has to be a that level of reality in it, too. There has to be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I remember I was usually bringing in aliens and doing all this crazy stuff in the beginning. Oh, yeah. I mean, learner. I still do it. I love <laughs> to play crazy, but I, I'm always talking about things that mean something to me right. or having my own point of view through that character. Now, what about getting, um, not necessarily a character, but a feeling before you go on into a scene? Do you ever work on the idea that I'm going to have, I'm going to work on this feeling while I'm in this scene? Or is that too pre-planned? Yeah, I think I did that a lot maybe when I was first 
improvising. But now I come in because I'm inspired by how incredible my teammates are. The people I play with are just so funny and incredible. So whenever I go into a scene, I just feel taken care of, and it's just based on something that they said that was brilliant. So it, it becomes a lot easier when you're playing with people that you love. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I saw, I was at this restaurant day. They serve these wonderful smoothies here. Yeah. And they had these tables with, with sayings on them. And one of them was, be here now. Yeah. Be kind to others. Yeah. It was all these sayings that you could really apply to improv. Love one another. Yeah. Love one and another. And I think a huge advocate, I one of my teammates, Terity Francisco, who just moved with Rance to open the Nest Theater in Columbus, Ohio, she has always been that way. And her everything that she always says of how much she like loves everyone and being nice to each other, it's so important. And I think I really got a lot of that from her of, you know, just love each other and support each other but truly mean it don't just say it to say it like say it and mean it and mean it yeah exactly well you're so beautiful i'm uh, so i'm so grateful you came to our small community i'm so ex- this is my favorite thing to do i was telling steve this is literally my favorite thing to do it's to go to communities of blooming improvisational troops and come and just show them how much they love it i don't even feel like i'm teaching i'm just reminding them of why they do it well, I love it, yeah. and I, I love it so much. Sometimes I think we should have Improv Anonymous, which used to be the name of our first group, oh, yeah, yeah. but for people who are such improv addicts, is all they were so thinking about and doing all Absolutely. the time. <laughs> I mean, in a way it is. We all have sponsors and people that we look right. up to, right? Right. It's incredible. We have our jargon. Exactly. exactly. It's, it totally is. It's great. It is great. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm looking forward to our workshop yes, and I our can't wait. show tomorrow night. I want to thank you so much for your time, Stacy. You. You're adorable. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.